Good morning once again, Victory Church. Uh, my name is Brian Hogwood. I get the privilege of being the executive pastor here at Life Church. I mean, uh, Victory Church. Life Church. Um, as you can tell, uh, got some nerves going on. And the reason for that is, is um, I stand on this platform behind an incredible leader and, and behind a, an incredible pastor. And so for years, I thought I would be the lead pastor of a church. And, and maybe God will do that later down the road. Uh, but when I moved here, I knew I was moving here to support and to raise or to push a vision that was given to my best friend of 19 or 20 years. If you ask him, it's probably 30 years because he always says it's way more than what it really is. Uh, but uh, it, it is now to the point where I just enjoy coming in and receiving and being a part of hearing what God has put in his heart. And so uh, I didn't even really want to preach. Um, I really love what I get to do here and the role I get to play. Uh, but I am very honored that he would select me and allow me to, to participate in this sermon series at the movies. And I picked a movie that's going to make all of you cry because he's made you laugh and have a good time. And I want you to cry like babies. So I picked The Pursuit of Happiness, and The Pursuit of Happiness is an incredible movie. The reality is, is all of us try to find happiness in different ways, um, but they're momentary ways. I mean, I'll give you an example. For my white girls out there, you know, it's pumpkin spice latte season. You know what I'm saying? Uh, for my black ladies out there, you know, you need some Remy hair. You get that? You good. You happy. You know what I'm saying? For my guys, you know, we're pretty simple. If there's food and sports involved, usually we're pretty okay. Uh, if you don't like sports, maybe it's video games or it's working on a car. Uh, but those things that you do to kind of get away, to escape, that produce a bit of happiness. This idea of pursuit, the definition of pursuit is to find measures to obtain. But the reality is, is oftentimes when we are in pursuit of this happiness, we do things that actually create more anxiety and depression and doubt and worry because we do things that are momentary. We do things that set us up for failure because we do things that are, that are just in the moment. They sound good. They feel good. Uh, I'll give you some examples of, of those types of things. Uh, for example, like if you were to go to drinking, right? So drinking for a moment kind of releases and removes you from the reality of this life of the things that are going on of the struggles of the ups and the downs but what happens is is you have to return to that over and over again and then you become bound to that and no longer does it produce happiness but now it produces more depression and more anxiety and and so for moments there you thought you were good but then you have to go back to it over and over again let what what about one that we never talk about in church overeating indulging in food so we'll run to food because food won't reject us and so we run to food and food becomes a happy moment it comes a happiness for us but really it just produces more anxiety and more depression what about overspending so now we need to spend money or do this or do that because we we want happiness but now we can't pay the bills we couldn't pay before and so it produces more of the same and so this is a big topic and I was really challenged as I prepared for this message in, in a way that I never have been before because depression and suicide, this idea of anxiety, it's all very real. And so you got to tread lightly on the subject, but also you, you got to really confront it. And as, as a whole, as a church uh, in our nation, we, I don't feel like we've really done a great job of this. And I'll prove it to you. There's some t statistics that will come up on the screen that I looked up 
that talks about suicide. And, and here's what I found. In 2017, there were 47,173 recorded suicides, which was up from 42,773 in 2014. There was a big jump from 1999 to 2014, and it produced the highest record in 28 years, which means that we're not doing something right. We have this idea of what we need to do to pursue or to achieve happiness, but it's in the long run not working. Just recently, we've had several pastors notably commit suicide. And you go, man, how could a person who loves God and is with God, how could they have been so riddled with anxiety and depression? And can I tell you that over the last couple of years, this is, has become something that has been really close to my heart. I know you're going, okay, Pastor Brian, like, Wow, I'm glad I came to church on this Sunday because now I'm super depressed and I got more anxiety than when I walked in. Well, listen, it's going to get better. It's going to get much better. Uh, I want to read to you a scripture and then show you the first clip from the movie, which is technically just to show you an idea of the entire movie for those who haven't seen it. For, for you, uh, this is the scripture, 1 Peter 5, 7. 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all of your anxieties on him because he cares. Uh, other versions might say, cast all of your cares. So everything that's going on in your life. On him because he cares. This is very interesting and very important because he doesn't say that he's going to take them away in this scripture. Which is unfortunate, right? We wish that we could say, God, I need you to take this away and for him to remove them completely. But he says, just cast them, give them to me because I care. I care so much about you. I love you so much that I want you to cast these things on me. Would you check out this first clip? I met my father for the first time when I was 28 years old. When I had children, my children were gonna know who their father was. Yeah. Chris Gardner was doing his best. We don't need two. We don't need one. Maybe next quarter. It's possible. But his best hey! Wait! wasn't enough. Man, I got two questions for you. What do you do and how do you do it? I'm a stockbroker. Stockbroker? Oh. Hey, I'm gonna let you hang on to my car for the weekend, but I need it back for Monday. Feed the meter. <laughs> I need the rent. I can't wait anymore. I need you out of here in the morning. You gotta trust me, all right? I trust you. Because I'm getting a better job. Yeah. Let me see if I can find you an application for our internship. Did mom leave because of me? Mom left because of mom, and you didn't have anything to do with that. There's no salary. No. I was not aware of that. My circumstances have changed some. Dad, where are we going? I don't know. Last year, we had an intern score on 90% on the written exam. He wasn't chosen. It's not a simple pass-fail. You're not quitting on us yet, are you? Don't ever let somebody tell you you can't do something. Not even me. All right? All right. Jay says you're pretty determined. Where are you going? Go to the hospital. I'm in a competitive internship at Dean Witter. He said you're smart. This is impossible. I can do it. No, you can't. No one can. That is You got a dream, you 
got to protect it. People can't do something themselves. They want to tell you you can't do it. You want something, go get it. Period. So if you haven't seen the movie, now you know some background. And shame on you if you haven't seen the movie. We've been talking about it coming up for a while now. You should have went and saw it. Uh, but if you didn't, there you go. You have an idea. And this is a true story. So I, I did a lot of studying of Chris Garner, the actual individual that Will Smith plays. By the way, Will Smith crushes this role. He is the best actor ever. I say that because my best friend really likes him, and I need to say that because he's my boss. And so... Pastor has gotten up here every week, and he's done an incredible job, and he's also had a really cool shirt on to represent his movie. What was I supposed to wear, guys? A picture of Will Smith on my shirt? I could have done that. I could, somebody's excited. I could have done that, but what I chose to do was I chose to wear a Nike shoebox shirt. This has shoeboxes on because this is my happy place, people. When I have new shoes on, which I do now, and by the way, my birthday is next Saturday. Hey, listen, y'all want to give it up? Yeah, you're good. Come on, stop. Come on. Okay, so Pastor asked for crumble cookie for his birthday. He got a few boxes. All I'm saying is one box of shoes will do. That's all, I, that's all I'm saying. Shameless plug. Okay, so it is my job in the next 23 minutes and 14 seconds to try to talk us through why we're not achieving happiness and how we can. And so, again, I, I've done a lot of homework and a lot of research, and I want you to know that First Peter, the cast your cares thing, see, when read alone, which is what a lot of churches do, unfortunately, and a lot of pastors do, it, 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 you would say, like, you need to do better. You need to work harder at casting your cares. You need to fix this. You need to figure this thing out, right? The problem with that is it just doesn't work because you, Scripture is, is important to be read with context. Who wrote it? Why they wrote it? When did they write it? Right, And so there's a lot of scripture that goes before this passage where Peter is talking. And I want you to know that casting your cares cannot be done on your own. This is a team project. This is a community thing. This is you linking with Jesus and other people to cast your cares repeatedly on him. And so if you're trying to do it by yourself, you tend to feel lonely and in this world by yourself, which is why you lead to the point of saying, I think that suicide is even an option because no one understands me and no one knows what I'm going through and no one is even with me in this, even though you could be surrounded with people who really genuinely love you because this has nothing to do with you doing it by yourself but everything to do with you doing it with everyone else. As I alluded to earlier, the things that we tend to go to for happiness tend to lead to more depression, more anxiety, more fear, and more doubt. But can I tell you this? The reason for that is these are lazy ways of getting to happiness. Lazy ways of getting to happiness. You see, laziness pays off now while putting in the work pays off later. Laziness you get in the moment. So if I watch pornography and I go to that for my happiness because there's a thrill of getting out of the moment and into fantasy land and I go to that, then I reap the reward of that now and I get the happiness for a second. But then comes depression and, and guilt and shame behind it, right? So it's not real happiness. If again, if I go to drinking drugs, overeating, and listen, cutting over the last 10 to 15 years has become a huge phenomenon. Cutting yourself to control your own pain. No one can control how I hurt. I hurt myself the best. To control that pain, so we go to that, we cut ourselves, then we're riddled with shame and guilt, which leads to depression and more anxiety. That's a lazy way to happiness. Putting in the work is what it's really about. Now, be careful though. I'm not saying that 
you have to put in all of the work and that by just putting in the work, you will win and achieve happiness because that's also a setup for failure because some people find that happiness is going to work and trying to make it happen. And unfortunately, this movie kind of depicts that. It kind of says, hey, listen, if you're Chris Garner or you're someone like Chris Garner and you're having a tough time in life and life is hitting you in the face because that's reality. I love this clip right here because it shows the truth about life. This whole movie does. It says, hey, listen, usually when bad things happen or things come against you, they tend to come a lot. <laughs> so he loses his wife. He, he, he gives up his job, the job that's really not producing any money anyways, to go to a job where he's not going to make any money. So he has to sleep inside of uh, a subway bathroom where you see him there stretching out his foot. And I want you to know this, that in the movie, they have Jaden Smith, Will Smith's real son, play his five-year-old son. But in real life, his son was 14 months old. And so he held a 14-month-old who he couldn't have conversation with. They wanted dialect in the movie, so they had a five-year-old so they could have conversation. But he sat lonely inside of a bathroom trying to protect his son. And he said the reason why he didn't get a hotel room or a place to sleep was because it was either eat or sleep. And so he chose to eat. And he chose for his son to eat. Life is tough. Life throws really hard punches. And so I'm not here to minimize what you've gone through and what you've experienced. I'm not here to minimize your anxiety or your depression or your doubt or your fear. I know all of that is very real. Because although I have pastor in front of my name and I get to stand up on a platform and talk to you, I experience life just like you. I have hardship. I go through very tough moments just like you. I have negative thoughts and I have to constantly fight against that. And over the past couple of years, particularly in the last year, God has really revealed some things to me when it comes to this idea. But I want to show you the second clip before we get into that. So would you watch this? Whoever brought in the most money after six months was usually hired. Yes, hello, Chris Gardner calling for Mr. Walter Hawk. We were all working our way up call sheets to sign clients. From the bottom to the top. Yes, sir. From the doorman to the CEO. They'd stay till seven, but I had Christopher. I had to do in six hours what they'd do in nine. Good afternoon, my name is Chris Gardner. I'm calling from Dean Witter. In order not to waste any time, I wasn't hanging up the phone in between calls. Okay, thank you very much. I realized that by not hanging up the phone, I gained another eight minutes a day. Why, good morning to you. My name is Chris Gardner. I'm calling from Dean Whitter. I also wasn't drinking water, so I didn't waste any time in the bathroom. Uh, yes, I'd love to have the opportunity. Okay, no problem at all, sir. Thank you very much. But even doing all this, after two months, I still didn't have time to work my way up a sheet. Yes, hello, my name is Chris Gardner. I'm calling from Mr. Walter Ribbon. Concerning? Yes, ma'am, I'm calling from Dean Witter. Just a moment. Hello? Mr. Ribbon. Well, uh, hello, sir, my name is Chris Gardner. I'm calling from Dean Witter. Yeah, Chris. 
yes, Mr. Ribbon, I would love to have the opportunity to sit with you to discuss some of our products, and I, I'm certain that I could be of some assistance to you. Can you be here in 20 minutes? Uh, uh, 20 minutes, absolutely. Just had someone cancel. Come now. I can give you a few minutes before the 49ers. Monday night football, buddy. <laughs> yes, sir. Thank you very much. See you soon. Bye-bye. And so what I alluded to earlier, which was that this movie tends to push that if you just work hard enough, you will achieve happiness. Now, if you work hard enough, you'll achieve goals that you set for yourself. And I'm not calling you to be lazy. I just said that these things that we named off were lazy ways to happiness. So I know that there's a process of working and, and you have to do that. But I want you to know this, that as a church and at, uh, as a church at large, we have done a disservice to people by saying, have you prayed enough? Okay, so you got anxiety. So, but have you given it to Jesus? Have you prayed enough? Have you done enough? Okay, what is, your real, what is your quiet time like? Did you read the Bible enough? And so it's this mentality of do more, do more, do more, do more, do more. And just like he's doing there. I had to do in six what everyone else was doing in nine. I, I didn't hang up the phone. I didn't drink water, so I didn't have to use the restroom. Hey, hey, have you, have you read the Bible enough? Did you pray enough? Did you cast? Did you cast? Did you cast? Did you, ca did you do it? Did you cast it? Did you cast it yet? Did you cast it again? Come on, cast it again. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work because it's not meant to be done by yourself. And this is the meat of my message. And listen, I know I'm not pastor. I have no beautiful points to put up here and no beautiful things for you to put on social media. If you're going to grab nuggets, you have to write them down based on our conversation. Okay? But this is, I'm telling you now, so you can be warned, this is the part if you want to record or you want to say amen, this is it. This is the meat of the message right now. I want to take you to some scripture. This is my life scripture. I've lived on this. I, I, God has, for whatever reason, has chosen to use this over and over again in my life. Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, it says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. No more running. The song we just sang, I'm running, I'm running. Listen, no more running. If you want to find rest in your situation, in your life, the first person you have to connect with and be linked to is Jesus. Now, we don't understand this idea or this context of a yoke because we don't really use it. But a yoke connects two animals together. I have a picture for you so you can see what it looks like. And it takes two animals and it makes them one because when you put two animals together, they can do more work than if you just had them do independent work. They say, for example, if one ox could pull 500 pounds, you would think two would pull 1,000, but it pulls 1,500, right? So there's more ability to get more work done when you link together. In this case, the only way for you to achieve happiness and get work done is to link yourself to Jesus. That's what this is saying. Listen, this is at the end of a sermon or a collection of sermons called the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is speaking and he's saying, listen, all that I said probably brings some anxiety and depression because it's tough to, to live out. But with all that said, if you just connect with me and let me do the work with you, alongside you, it will be easy. It will be easier because when you have an issue, you can turn. This idea is that we are linked together to the point where all I have to do is turn and see you. You are here. We are connected together. So Jesus, I need you today. I'm weak. I got you. I'm strong. I'll carry you today. We move together. He does the work. Important. Very valuable. The next one is 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. It says, do not be yoked together. So another idea. So you're going to be yoked to Jesus, but you're also going to be yoked to people. 
Don't be yoked together with unbelievers. For what does righteousness and wickedness have in common? Now, listen. This scripture has unfortunately been used to say, don't be friends with people who don't believe in Jesus. (laughs) I'm going to tell you, that's wrong. Because my example, when I am yoked to Jesus, says, I will be friends with everybody. Because Jesus, in the word of God, shows us over and over again him hanging out with the worst of the worst. And I do quotations because I feel like it's cool. But I also do quotations because everyone is the worst of the worst. We just put titles on certain people and make them worse than the other people. But we're all worse of the worst. So if anyone in here has lied before, surprise, worst of the worst. You know what I mean? You thought a wrong thought. You looked at the wrong thing. Great. What does that mean? Jesus wants to hang out with you. That's all that really means. We cannot be righteous outside of Jesus. So when we're in connection, connection, yoked together with Jesus, that's what makes us righteous in the first place. Outside of that, we are not righteous. And so then, on top of that, so, right, so you got, you got uh, saying, you know, don't, don't, uh, don't hang out with unbelievers. Uh, listen, you need to hang out with as many unbelievers as possible. Because that's the only way you can encourage them to come to church or encourage them in the things of Jesus. When they see you living out things in front of them, then they want to know why and how and where can I get a, be a part of this. So that's critical. That's important. So what this really means is, is don't connect. Don't link yourself like you did to Jesus to people who aren't going in the same direction. Be friends with them. Love them. Support them. But don't tell them your dreams and aspirations. Don't count on them for encouragement because those people aren't going the same way you are right now. They will one day, but they're not now. You need to connect yourself. Link yourself to people who will encourage, challenge you, push you, tell you when you're wrong pray for you, believe with you, and stand with you. Do this work together. All right, I'm preaching better than you think. First Peter. So we already talked about First uh, Peter 5, right? So before First Peter 5 comes, we got First Peter 1, 1 and 2. I, Peter, so Peter's writing this, am an apostle. Oh, let me say this because I forgot. I'll get ahead of myself. Second Corinthians, Paul is writing this, Okay. He has visited twice to modern-day Greece. This is important. In 1 Corinthians, he's known as an aggressive, like he even says it in the scripture that it was a tough, terrible visit, right? And so I get this all the time. Uh, My personality is, I'm so passionate that sometimes I just come across very aggressive. And people are like, man, does he even like me? And I do, I love you. I'm just in the pursuit of perfection, That's just the truth. That's the reality. So he writes a second letter, which is usually what I have to do. So me and Paul, cool, man. We got something in common. He comes back with a second letter before he visits the third time. And he says, hey, by the way, I know I was aggressive, but I want you to know it was all because I loved you. And I love you so much that let me give you some things that you need to do so I can prove to you that I love you so much that this is going to help you win at life. Very important. Because then he tells them, don't be yoked to people who aren't going the same direction, but you have to be yoked to people. Right? So then we go on to to 1 Peter 1, 1 and 2. And it says this. I, Peter, am an apostle, right? He's an apostle by Jesus, the Messiah, and I'm writing to exiled scattered. So people are are scattered to the four winds, right? So they're scattered. They're, They're not in one big church, but they're scattered across this land. Not one is missing, not one forgotten. We just sang it in the song. You are not forgotten. You are not forgotten. This is important. He's writing this to them. This is critical for them. You want to talk about depression and anxiety. These people are running for their lives. 
These people are fearing for their lives, and they're in small groups, uh, five to ten to twelve people, maybe in a, in a house, and they're, they're, they're waiting on this letter, and they're waiting on a word from God, and they're believing that God is going to win on their behalf, and it, it is incredible to me. It says, may everything good from God be yours, as he finishes out that statement. Wow, this is, this is good stuff. This is important. Before we got to verse 5 or chapter 5, we realized that early on, Peter is speaking to people who are in small groups, small pockets, and they're scattered across the area. Then we go, to, go back to 1 Peter 1.22, or you, you have it up now. 1 Peter 1.22, then he goes on, he says, now that you've cleaned up your lives by following the truth, love one another as if your lives depended on it. This is incredible, and this is very important. These people's lives do depend on this stuff. And, and what is love? Love is, love is listening when you had a great day and your wife had a bad day. Right? You come home, you've had a great day at work, you want to tell her about it, but you don't because you find out she had a terrible day. And instead of telling her what your great day was, you stop and you listen to how, what her terrible day was like. And instead of fixing it, you're just there to support her and to hear her. Love, <laughs> women said amen. <laughs> Love is when you go to the refrigerator to get something to drink, ladies, pick on you for a second, and you say, hey, you want something to drink? And you get him something to drink. Right? Love is doing. It's not a feeling. It is an action. It is what you will do for someone. I hate doing laundry. Can I say that out loud? I hate doing laundry. But I do it a lot because my wife really likes when I do it. She says it's hot. <laughs> so I do it. She's in here too. Hey, girl. So be doing laundry later. So stop. I'll keep going. We got to get back to Scripture. Jesus is good. Okay, so, so it's important to know that he's calling these people to love and to care for one another and to, to stand in the gap, to be connected in a real way, again, before he ever gets to the other part. So 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4, it says this. There it is. <laughs> Welcome to the living stone, the source of life. The workman took one look and threw it out. God set it in a place of honor. Present yourselves, plural, not one person. You present yourselves as building stones for the construction of the sanctuary, vibrant with life. Pastor alluded to this last week when he showed the final clip. And did you see all the small groups of Avengers come together? And they were there to fight on behalf and against the enemy, on behalf of each other, on behalf of Captain America. So they came together as a team on behalf of one who was struggling to win the battle. This is what this is talking about. When you put bricks together, the bricks that are on the wall here, they're in close proximity. They're connected. They build something strong that can, that can uh, stand up against the elements, against the storms and the weather. So before we ever get to verse 5, or chapter 5, verse 7, we already have these other chapters that we have to read ahead of it in order to understand that in order to cast our cares, it has to take place connected to Jesus, because that's who I'm casting it to, and connected to other people. It is not an individual game. It is a team game, and you will not win. You will not achieve happiness outside of this. I will promise you. I have tried it. People have tried it. When you feel alone... It's no good. 
So before I show you that in a real way with an illustration that God gave me the last few weeks, I want to tell you this, that you are built and that we are built to be known. That's the number one problem that we have in the room. Not known for who you think everyone wants you to be, but known for who you really are. And this is a hard thing to do. I can guarantee you that sitting in this room are husbands that have gone through things, that have struggled with things, that have done things, and they've never shared it with their wives because they're afraid. They're afraid that if they do, it will end their relationship, their marriage, or there will be some disappointment, or they'll be looked at in a different way. And likewise, there are people that sit in the room today that have friends, and they've been close friends for a long time, and they've never shared some of the moments in their life. And so it leaves them unknown. And what that does is it puts you in a spot where your, your negative thoughts can run wild. I'm telling you, that is where suicide comes into play, guys. That is where depression, that is where anxiety and doubt and fear, that is where it runs wild. They don't even know you. If they really knew you, you're alone in this. You're by yourself. You have to be known. That's the hard work that you got to put in. I said it's laziness when you do it other ways, these ways that give you satisfaction immediately. Because here's the reality, that when you do it the hard way, when you decide to be vulnerable enough to have these conversations that you need to have to be known, it's not going to change things overnight. There will be some emotion and some thought that has to go into this. There will be some moments that are tough when you share those things. But if you don't, if you leave those things in the dark, as some would say, in the closet, you will always struggle with this. Because we have a, we're built to be known. And we can't be known until we share every detail and every aspect of our lives. And that's why you don't want to link yourself to someone who doesn't believe the same as you. You need someone who's going to stand in the gap and go, man, that's tough. That's crazy. That's, that's rough. What can I do to support you? How can I help you? And I get it. If you're already in a marriage, if you're already in a relationship, that makes it tough. But I'm telling you, until you start that process, that, that amount of happiness that you're looking for, that you're searching for, that you're desiring, you're not going to achieve it. Remember, the definition is to find a measure to obtain. This is the measure in order to obtain that happiness. Let me, let me break down this, how this sets up for you as far as being connected. If I could have uh, Tim go ahead and bring up the yoke, pastor come up, my wife Erica come up, uh, Malcolm and Dallas. So as they're coming up, I want to read some scripture to you. Do you remember T-Mobile, the Faye Five? You're, you have your five people that you can call and, you know, it's free and all that kind of stuff. Here's my Faye Five right here, okay? Oh, I need Chris, I need Chris, I need Chris. Right? So I want to read you some scripture. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give them some direction and then, and then I'll read some scripture. Erica, you come and you, you get in, in this one here. Chris, if you'll come right here. Pastor, if you'll come right here. Yeah, yeah, you just put your head through the rope right there. Hey, right here. Uh, Chris, you're on this one. Chris, you're on this one. This is not church. Okay, you can let go. You two come down here. 
jump in right here. Okay, listen to me. Let me read, let me read to you this. Mark chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. And a few days later, Jesus again entered Capernaum. For the people heard that he was coming there. And they gathered in such a large number, there was no room left, not even outside the door. And so he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing a paralyzed man, carrying him by four of them. So there were four of them that were carrying him. One, two, three, four. Chris is playing Jesus because that's the only person I could think could play Jesus adequately. <laughs> I was like, who am I supposed to call up for this? So then let me take you somewhere else. Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples. At this point, he's with 11 of them. Jesus has done his thing. He's with them, and then he, he sits. He says, sit here for a while as I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John. Peter, James, and John, okay? He takes three with him. He had 11. I'm not saying you can't have more friends, but there are going to be only a few people that you can be incredibly close to in your life that you can be yoked to that will help you drive this force. This is the small group that you need in your life. You need Peter, James, and John. You need Jesus, and you need your spouse. You need your significant other. And so in this place, this is me. So I'm yoked, as I said earlier, to Jesus, right? And as I'm yoked to Jesus, I can turn to him easily and say, Lord, I'm struggling. Lord, I got this going on. But I have to have my significant other. She has to know everything about me. She has to know what makes me tick. She has to know what makes me happy, what makes me sad. She has to know that I was addicted to this, or I struggle with that, or I was depressed about this. I've come to my wife with some of the darkest things I would dare share from this platform. Why? Because there's a part of me that says, I can't, you can't know me like that, because I can't be known to everybody. But I can be known to a certain group of people, and I can be known to them in a real way that lets me know that they got my back. And they can stand with me. And they'll be with me. And so I can share that with my wife. I've cried with my wife. We've had some very dark and very tough moments in our life. But I can 100% and need to first and foremost share that with Jesus. Then the next people I have is Peter, James, and John. i got three men in my life right here. Three men. One of them has been in my life for almost 20 years. The other two the last couple of years. But guess what? Dallas was the one that built this thing. I need somebody in my life to help me build things. I can't build things. I just, I need that. I can also have real conversation with them about things that are going on in my life. He's been in my house. I've shared some things with him and his wife. The cool part is, is I don't just get them. I get their wives. Where pastor won't tell me I'm wrong, Darla will. You know, it works. <laughs> it works. I love you. But I need pastor in my life to be, an, to, to be a spiritual influence, but then to stop and, and be able to listen to me. I've brought him things, so many things, especially over the last couple of years that I've said, hey man, I, I quit. I quit. I quit Victory Church too. I quit life. I quit everything. I've quit so many times I'm not even employed here. <laughs> I've quit because life is tough and life brings, but you need to be able to say that. You need to be able to be real with the people that you're connected to, doing life with, working with, thriving, driving with. I have Malcolm on the end. Malcolm sends me more encouraging words than a man could ever take on. I start to think, is he really talking to me? Like he's meant to send this text to Travis Bell or somebody. Like, and I love him, and I've been to his house, and him and his wife are amazing people. And I need people like that in my life, and I've chosen to be honest with them and to be real with them and to be known. Because the Bible says that Jesus, if Jesus took three away from everybody else and said, I need those three to just come, and they had no power. Matter of fact, they didn't even do anything. He just said, sit here and be with me while I go do this. 
Sometimes you just need them to come and sit with you and be with you while you go and pray, while you go and do what you're called to do. But they're always there for you, and they know the real you. The other scripture about the paralyzed man I think is incredible because he takes, it takes four men, and guess what? The paralyzed man, the man who's hurting, the man that's struggling, the man that's having a hard time, he doesn't even ask to go to Jesus. It takes the four men in his life or the four people in his life who care about him to take him without him even knowing. Sometimes you need Peter, James, and John and your spouse to take you places that you didn't even ask for because you're too depressed and you got too much anxiety and you're hurting too much to even take yourself. And they do everything they can to fight for him to the point where they go and there's a crowd and the crowd won't even let them in so they have to go through the roof. Meaning they go to the far links and guess what? This is what's interesting, and it was brought out in a recent sermon that I just heard. Listen, when they went through the roof, they had to pay a cost for that. They had to fix that roof. So these guys that I've committed my life to and said, I need you in my life, they're willing to pay the price to make sure that I hear what I need to hear, and they pray for me and move me forward. Happiness comes from being linked and connected to Jesus. In a real way, a genuine way. Because did you know that Jesus cares about the addictive side of you? He cares about the lying part of you. He cares about every detail of your life. We'll think, oh, Jesus just must love and care about the part of me that, uh, you know, read the Bible today or went to church today. No, 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 no. He knows all about that. That's great. That's awesome. You need that. But he cares about the part of you yesterday that cheated. Like, really? He cares about all of that. And as we are building stones, running and doing life together, when I am weak, I go to Jesus. But Jesus has put it in place through his scripture and says, you're also going to need these other people. And I put them in your life so you can be real and honest with them. So they can walk with you in the natural form while I walk with you in the spiritual form. You cannot find happiness apart from this. I am telling you right now. You have to be known, and you have to have a group of people that yoked to you doing life together. When you are weak, they are pulling you along. Thank you, guys. I'll go ahead and let you guys take this off and just set it down right here on the ground. I want to show you a, a final clip, and then I'm done. But at, before we show the clip, I just want you to know that my entire drive behind speaking and preaching this morning was that you see victory in your life. The name says it all, man. We're Victory Church. And we are here on purpose because we have a purpose. And God has a plan for you. And it is not to take you out. It is that you would prosper and that you would win. But until you decide you're going to be vulnerable enough to share who you really are with those people that God's placing in your life, that's going to be hard to do. But I want to tell you, there is one more step to happiness. And I'll share it with you right after this clip. Yes, Mr. Johnson. Chris Gardner, Dean Witter. Yes, sir. Just uh, calling to thank you very much for your support at last month's seminar. Uh, oh, yes, sir. Absolutely. Yes, sir. No, sir. That's it. Thank you very much. Chris, come. 
Hi, Chris. Mr. Fromm, good to see you. Nice shirt. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Chris. I thought I'd uh, wear a shirt today, um, you know, being the last day and all. Well, thank you. Thank you. We appreciate that. But um, wear one tomorrow, though, okay? Because tomorrow's going to be your first day. If you'd like to work here as a broker. Would you like that, Chris? Yes, sir. Good. We couldn't be happier. So, welcome. Was it as easy as it looked? No, sir. No, no sir, it wasn't. Good luck, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, Chris. I almost forgot. Thank you. This part of my life, this little part, is called happiness. So what it would be natural is to assume that his happiness comes from getting the job, working hard enough and then getting the job. But the truth of the matter is, is if you do your homework and you listen to Chris Garner, he's, he's a motivational speaker to this day. That wasn't really the happiness. I mean, of course, that's part of it, obviously. But the happiness was actually being able to provide for his son. You know, it took three and a half more years for him to get financially stable. Three and a half. He got the job. He was just now starting to get paid. He was behind on everything. It took him before they were able to eat consistently and have a place to stay and pay for all the bills, the daycare and the lights and all that stuff. Three and a half more years. The happiness came from going, my son, as you heard in the very first clip, he will know me because I didn't know my father. It came from going, my son's going to be taken care of. And some of you sit in the room, and when I talk about Peter, James, and John, or I talk about a spouse, if you're not married yet, if you don't have this spouse yet, that's okay. That's a placeholder for that individual when they come into your life. That's how you should be selecting, though, a person I can be real with, a person I can tell my deepest and darkest secrets to, because if I can't, then I can't be known. And if I can't be known, that's going to lead to depression and anxiety and doubt and fear. And then others of you are saying, well, I need Peter, James, and John. If I just had Peter, James, and John in my life, I would figure this thing out. Guess what? Happiness comes from you being Peter, James, and John. You, you being someone else's Peter, James, or John. It's not always about you. As you begin to serve and love other people, God will put those people in place, but there is so much to gain from loving and caring and being there for someone else when they're struggling. For being that Peter, James, and John. 
So three points, I'll, I'll pull it back together as we're about to worship and receive victory through this moment because I know so many of you are dealing with depression and anxiety and fear and doubt and self-worth and the list goes on that I hope and pray that God use this moment, not me, I could care less about who did it, but that it would impact and affect you that the Holy Spirit has been whispering things in your, your heart this whole time that you would begin to respond to what was said today. First and foremost, that you would link, connect, yoke yourself to Jesus so that you can receive rest for your soul, peace and joy and freedom. That you would then become known to those people that you select to yoke yourself to for the rest of your life as you walk this journey out, husband, wife, friends and that you would also be and maybe more importantly be Peter, James and John husband and wife that listens, receives and stands by your husband or wife as they tell you the darkest secrets of their life it won't be easy but it's not lazy it's the tough work that has to be done in order to achieve happiness would you stand with me would you close your eyes? We've turned the lights down low. This is to create an atmosphere. This is to put you alone with God for you to say, no one else is in the room but me. And we want to just sing this song. And I pray that you would either sing the song or you would just say, God, how do, how do I do this? How do I connect with you? Who can I be Peter, James, and John with? Who are my Peter, James, and John? How do I become open to my wife or to my husband? How do I sit them down and say, hey, listen, this is me. And I know this is going to be tough to get through, but I got to do this because I got to win. I can't be depressed no more. I can't be riddled with anxiety anymore. There's no more running, guys. There's no need to run. You are loved. You are cared for. Jesus is with you. It won't be easy, but it'll be worth it. So let's sing this morning. Let's worship just for a few more minutes, guys.